welcome to episode 248 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about May 2023, the month of teachable moments. Clearly, the biggest story of the month was the publication of special counsel John Durham's report on his investigation into the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. This story is probably the biggest political story in American history, way bigger than Watergate, and the alphabet soup conspiracy media and the Democrats yawn at it because the scandal was perpetrated by Democrats, and given the dual justice system in America, one for well-connected Democrats and their voters, and the one for everybody else, they see no need to report on it and or hold anyone accountable. I encourage you to listen to episode 246, The Truth About the Successful Coup d'Etat, for the details of the Durham report if you're interested. Suffice it to say, the report concludes that the feds had zero evidence of Trump and Russia collusion when they started the investigation. The only evidence that they did have was that the story was created or made up by Hillary Clinton's campaign. Here are a couple of my Facebook posts from the month that provide a little more color. I'm looking for all the America and Trump-hating shit-talkers who pushed the bullshit Russia collusion hoax story for the last six years to apologize for spreading mis- and dis- and malinformation. I mean, you couldn't avoid their claptrap if you tried here on Facebook. Despite evidence presented at the time that this was crap, they just kept pounding Trump. And just like the Washington Post and the New York Times, who don't have enough integrity to relinquish the many Pulitzer Prize awards they receive from their reporting on this fake story, the Trump hate and shit talkers are no better. Keep drinking the Kool-Aid. Maintain your quest, not for the truth, but for confirmation of your biases. And definitely continue reading, watching, and listening to news sources that tell you a story rather than the story. If COVID and all the online censorship by the feds taught us anything, ignorance is no longer bliss. It is very dangerous. And here's another post from Facebook. If government officials, the alphabet soup conspiracy media, the DOJ, the FBI, and big tech are willing to do what Durham's report outlined, why wouldn't they participate in permit, encourage, offer assistance, cheerlead, and or cover up massive voter fraud in 2020. In a related story, according to a newly released court document, the FBI has illegally used a huge database over 278,000 times to collect information about American citizens. The FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, supervises the Section 702 database, which the FBI is only permitted to search when they believe information related to foreign intelligence can be found. Ho-hum. The FBI knows nothing will be done about it. They are so brazen because Congress, who oversees the agency, will do nothing. Before we leave the topic of the corruption at the FBI and the DOJ... As of month end, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer was taking steps to hold FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress after the Bureau refused to comply with a subpoena related to alleged criminal actions on the part of resident Joe Biden when he was serving as vice president. Comer subpoenaed the FBI for a document that allegedly describes a criminal scheme involving Biden and a foreign national and relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions you know, influence peddling, the shit that he's been doing for years? See, the FBI has been taught by GOP leaders, going back to Paul Ryan, that they do not need to comply with subpoenas issued by Republicans in Congress. There are never any consequences. 
see Eric Holder for exhibit number one. The second biggest story of the month was the old song and dance over the raising of the debt ceiling. The Republican-led Congress passed a bill in March or April that froze spending at last year's levels. The Dems and Biden screamed bloody murder because they are hell-bent on printing more money and bankrupting the country. Grandma Yellen came out and set an arbitrary deadline saying, if Congress does not pass a debt ceiling extension by June 1st or June 15th, America will default. When people called bullshit on that claim, demonstrating to the Treasury Secretary that the country brings in almost $400 billion a month in revenue, and the monthly interest payments on the national debt are around $50 billion. Grandma changed her tune to, America won't be able to pay her bills. And the alphabet soup conspiracy media lapdogs ran with the talking point for weeks. I can't even be in the same room when Nora O'Donnell comes on TV every night. The whole debt ceiling debate is nothing but bullshit. Always has been. It's a charade regardless of which member of the Uniparty is in charge. Tax revenue more than covers the so-called essentials. Interest on the debt, Social Security, welfare, and the military. But it does not cover all the other extra constitutional spending that goes on. Okay, so back to my original point. The Republican-led House of Representatives passed a budget a couple months ago. The Dems bitched and moaned about it, but the GOP seemed to have held firm until Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy said, Hold my beer. Over the Memorial Day weekend, he, quote, negotiated with Biden and essentially removed the debt ceiling, giving Biden more than he had even asked for at the beginning of this farce. McCarthy is fully aware of the numbers I just shared with you, and yet he portrayed his caucus and he portrayed the American people, as did 149 Republican members of the House who voted, along with the majority of Democrats, for the bankrupt America bill. It passed the Senate a few days later with a 63-36 to 36 vote. The alphabet conspiracy media and, to a certain extent, outlets like Fox News celebrated the staving off of default. Biden cheered the bipartisan nature of the bill. At some point, will the majority of Americans get tired of being gaslighted and lied to? This, my friends, is the problem. We expanded the money supply by 40% over the last six years. We have generation-high inflation because of it. And these willfully negligent, corrupt, so-called leaders just sentenced the nation to more of the same, more printing and more inflation, while at the same time, upwards of 20 nations around the world are colluding to stop using the dollar as the global reserve currency, which signals more pain for the American people. All of this is known in the halls of Congress, and still the majority of our representatives voted to bankrupt the country. They willfully agreed to bankrupt the country. Does anyone still doubt that we are run by a uniparty? Which leads me to a point I have made over and over and over again on this podcast. The only way that I see to save America from itself is through state secession. If that's a topic you're interested in, you can check out a series of episodes that I've published, 87, 88, episode 110, 128, and 192. All of that will be in the show notes page. The other big news that wasn't really big news last month was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced that he is running for president. So did South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Well, check that. Tim appears to actually be running for Trump's VP spot. 
So we have Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, DeSantis, Trump, Vivek Ramashami running for the GOP nomination, and RFK Jr. looking to unseat President Biden on the Democrat side of the aisle. Of these six people, who is telling the most truth? Based on social media censorship and blackouts by the Alphabet Soup conspiracy media outlets, I would say it would be in this order. RFK Jr., Ramashwamy, and Trump. DeSantis won't get censored until or if he secures a nomination. Then the hounds of hell, meaning the DOJ, FBI, and several corrupt Democrat attorney generals, will descend on him and his wife, and they will be made out to be Nazis, white supremacists, extremists, domestic terrorists, Russian stooges, and you can bet that an indictment or two will be thrown at them from some lawless DA in some blue jurisdiction, since that is how the left does politics now. It's just one step below tin pot dictators who jail their opposition. In America, the Dems who are unable to defend their always destructive policies with words instead prefer to silence their opposition via censorship and lawfare. Speaking of GOP candidates for the nomination, Trump, who feels compelled to strike at DeSantis at every opportunity, suggested that it was, quote, harsh for the governor to sign Florida's new heartbeat law, which protects unborn babies from abortion once a heartbeat is detected around six weeks of gestation. The law included exceptions if the mother is a victim of rape, incest, or human trafficking. Trump said, quote, If you look at what DeSantis did, a lot of people don't even know if he knew what he was doing. But he signed six weeks, and many people with the pro-life movement feel that that was too harsh. Sometimes I wish Trump would stop talking. Calling the saving of innocent babies' lives harsh, even if he's projecting it on some pro-life movement straw man, is a moronic thing to say if you claim to be pro-life, like Trump does. I can think of another word that begins with H. Heroic. This is a perfect example of a politician who is not driven by principles. Now let me be clear, this is not only a criticism of Trump. This incident simply affords the opportunity for a teachable moment. I am fully aware that virtually every member of the ruling class at the national level are not driven by principle. In fact, only a small minority of people in D.C. are in fact principle-driven. When it comes to abortion, you must remain steadfast. You must be principle-driven, otherwise you will get sucked into the constantly changing word salad that the left tosses together. I've recorded a number of episodes focused on the abortion issue, including episode 2, 33, 46, 47, and 86. Again, that will be in the show notes for this episode. My point is, when you're in these conversations about abortion, to ask a very simple question. What about the baby? No matter where the debate is going, you must always ask that question of your debate partner or family member who is pro-abortion. By the way, I refuse to say pro-choice because all that means is pro-choice to kill the innocent baby in the womb. And when you pose the question, what about the baby?, you must refuse to move forward in the conversation until they answer that question. So let's play the game here with Trump. If I could, I would ask him, Mr. President, you described the Florida bill as harsh. What is harsh about it? Now, he would likely mumble on about the mother and the fact that a woman might not even know she's pregnant at that point, and other nonsense that even your average pro-abortion leftist might spit out. I would then simply pose the million-dollar question. Mr. President, what about the baby? Using your word, is the Florida law harsh on the unborn baby? To which even the master stand-up, off-the-cuff former president would, I suspect, 
struggled to respond. Before we move on from the candidates for president, how about this quote from RFK Jr. from one of his stump speeches last month? Quote, there is overwhelming evidence that the CIA was involved in his murder. He's talking about his, his uncle, JFK. I think it's beyond a reasonable doubt at this point. The evidence is overwhelming that the CIA was involved in the murder and in the cover-up, end quote. Kennedy made references to assertions made in James Douglas's book, JFK and the Unspeakable. The book theorized that Kennedy was assassinated because he sought peacemaking during the Cold War and was then killed by his own security apparatus. I want to use this incident as another teachable moment. I want to pose the question, why should the CIA exist? How can its existence be justified? It is nothing more than another of a long list of unconstitutional federal agencies, all of which should be abolished, putting the federal government back in its limited government box that it was destined for, according to the Constitution that created it. The CIA in particular is responsible for countless episodes of illegalities, death, destruction, assassinations, deposing of elected leaders, torture, and other evil all over the world. It, along with the DOJ and the FBI, should be abolished. Congress has the power to defund these agencies. Check out episode 245, The Truth About RFK Jr., if you're interested in his presidential run. In the wake of Anheuser-Busch's Get Woke, Go Broke Bud Light experience, the biggest corporate offender, Target, was ramping up its woke during the month of May. I summarize the situation with this Facebook post. Did you continue patronizing Target after they allowed men to use the women's restrooms? How about after they created a children's transgender clothing section, which included tuck-friendly bathing suits? Or after they hired a Satanist designer for their pride collection? Why do you give money to companies that hate you? Since April, Target has lost some $10 billion in market cap as the silent majority stopped shopping there. A little over a year ago, Target's stock sat at $250 a share. Today, at the end of May, it sits at $131. Regarding that Satanist designer, after much backlash, Target removed his products from their online store. Speaking of woke corporations and killing previously thriving businesses, Fox News' primetime ratings have crashed since the network parted with Tucker Carlson at the end of April. In the week after Tucker left, the program averaged 1.5 million total viewers. For comparison purposes, Tucker averaged 3.3 million viewers per episode. But apparently Fox is okay with all this because they now have big, woke corporations like Procter & Gamble back as advertisers. They're willing to come back to that 8 p.m. time slot. From a business perspective, what good is 3.3 million viewers if you can't rake in the advertising dollars? Good luck, Fox. The voter drive at the border continued in May with the expiration of Title 42, a law that required immigrants to remain out of the country due to the health emergency from COVID. It really doesn't change much. The border's as open as it has been since Biden took office, as he and his party look to bring in voters to replace the millions of legal voters who are disgusted by the destructive nature of the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party. Every policy they pursue, from the climate to the border to monetary policy, all work to the detriment of the country. Therefore, no one wants to vote for them. If you can name a single prescription by the National Democrats that benefits the country as a whole, please put it in the comment section of whatever platform you're listening to this on. 
Establishment Republicans can't escape blame here either. For decades, they operated at the behest of the Chamber of Commerce lobby, which has always been about cheap labor. Here's another teachable moment. The bottom line is, we could have a reasonably open border with some limitations if Congress had the balls to pass a law making it illegal for non-citizens to receive any form of welfare. You want to come to America and work? Fine. No food stamps, no free phone, no free transportation to the interior of the country, no welfare of any sort. I want to make it clear. Border enforcement is not a power granted to the federal government in the Constitution. Naturalization is, but the border is not, meaning the border states should be managing it. But they, of course, do not. They just bitch and moan about the lack of help from Washington. Here again, I'm going to bring up secession. If states were to secede from the Union, they would then have full control of their borders. They can limit entry, deport as they see fit, and control their destiny rather than relying on the corruptocrats in D.C. See episode 143 for a complete rundown and explanation of why the Biden administration has kept the border open since Inauguration Day. While we're on the topic of illegal immigration, check this out. File this under... What the hell did you expect? New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced during the month that he wants to end the city's sanctuary city status. He said in part, quote, The law of sanctuary city was in place long before I became mayor. We are now in court now, today, asking the judge to revisit this law to deal with this humanitarian crisis. Because even when they decided to put in place that law, this is my favorite part. No one thought they would be dealing with the humanitarian crisis of this proportion. By no one, he means the America and Trump-hating shit-talking leaders of numerous blue cities who loudly and proudly proclaimed that their cities would welcome illegal immigrants with open arms because Trump was such a nasty person for wanting to build the wall. Here we are with yet another teachable moment. Liberals are not known as critical or deep thinkers. They are feelers. They are driven by their feelings. One thing they rarely do is ask the question, what if? For example, what if we print $6 trillion? Or what if we prohibit energy exploration on federal lands? Or what if we pull out of Afghanistan in the middle of the night without letting our allies know? Or what if we crush the use of fossil fuels and force everyone into electric vehicles without upgrading the grid? Or what if we push a radical social agenda that not only encourages, but affirms and celebrates people with a mental disorder, whereby they think they are members of the opposite sex? Or what if we push and taunt a nuclear-armed country? See what I mean about the destructive nature of the policy prescriptions advocated for by the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party? Everything they touch turns to shit and is to the detriment of the country. Here are a few COVID-related headlines from the month of May that you will not hear or see in your alphabet soup conspiracy media outlets. On May 3rd, the White House announced its COVID-19 vaccine requirements for federal employees, federal contractors, and international air travelers will expire on May 11th. Meaning the 15 days to stop the spread that began on March 16, 2020 stretched to 1,141 days. Keep trusting the feds at your own peril. Here's another headline. Cleveland Clinic peer-reviewed study found that the more vaccines you've had, the higher your COVID-19 infection risk. Ventilators killed people, and it was no accident. 
first COVID vaccine injury lawsuit in U.S. targets U.S. government and social media giants. COVID-19 vaccines essentially worthless after nine months. Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 shot no longer available in the U.S., remaining doses to be disposed of. Exclusive. New evidence. FDA, CDC hid early data on myocardosis spurs questions of criminal cover-up. Fire teachers who refuse COVID vaccine to get full reinstatement and back pay. Researchers had a simple test for determining if an asymptomatic person who tested positive for COVID was infectious, but CDC Fauci ignored it. FBI contractors spied on groups opposed to vaccine mandates. Three painful facts about spike protein that the media ignores. U.S. failure to recognize natural immunity negatively affected pandemic response. And finally, Zero young, healthy individuals died of COVID-19, Israeli data shows. Apparently, insurrections are all the rage now, and not a single America and Trump-hating shit-talker has anything to say about these recent occurrences at three state capitol buildings in Florida, Montana, and Tennessee. Leading me to ask the following question, how many insurrections are we going to be subjected to at state capitals before the FBI starts rounding up the criminals and all the people who just so happen to be in the city on the day of the insurrection and throw them in jail for two years without a trial? For the sake of consistency, that's the least I can do given the reaction to January 6th. We got a peek into Jeffrey Epstein's business model during the month of May. This is a guy who accumulated enormous wealth without ever doing anything. I mean, short of inheriting your wealth, which Epstein did not, most millionaires do something significant in order to become wealthy. Epstein's net worth when he was murdered in prison was reportedly just under $600 million. That's quite an accomplishment. I mean, he never founded a company that produced goods and services that the world flocked to purchase and then sold the business for hundreds of millions of dollars, like most first-generation multimillionaires. He didn't grow his wealth through savvy investing. It looks like he was in a blackmail for hire business. It goes something like this. Invite wealthy men to party with you on your jet and on your island and on your yacht, wherever. Serve up a bunch of underage girls for the pleasure of your soulless guest. Record their activities and voila, you now have the ability to blackmail. Based on a New York Post article, it looks like Epstein would push his blackmail victims to invest some of their measurable wealth at certain financial institutions in return for some kind of finder's fee. Deutsche Bank previously settled with Epstein victims for $75 million. On this front, the news was filled with speculation about Bill Gates and Jamie Dimon throughout the month. President Biden fomented racial tensions at a graduation ceremony at Howard University, a historically black college. The president claimed that America's greatest terrorist threat comes in the form of white supremacy. Is there a more pathetic excuse for a human being than President Biden? I mean, he and along with the likes of Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell clearly sold their souls to the devil or the Chinese or Big Pharma or any number of other influence peddlers many decades ago. Or they are all being blackmailed by the intel community for past unseemly behavior. All of them just exude an evil nature when they speak. Just watch them. Just listen to them. Look in their eyes. And their actions so often cause irreparable damage to the country and their constituents that it's difficult to arrive at any other conclusion. And the final story for the month of May 2023 is one that I damn well guarantee many of you did not hear about, especially if you get your news from the Alphabet Soup conspiracy media. 
Tara Reid, the former Joe Biden staffer who accused the resident of raping her nearly 30 years ago and yet was ignored by the Believe All Women crowd when she came forward during the run-up to the 2020 election, has fled the U.S. for Russia and asked President Vladimir Putin for citizenship because she fears for her safety. What do all you America and Trump-hating shit-talkers have to say about that? Don't worry, it's a rhetorical question because I already know the answer. And that's the truth about May 2023. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share episodes with your friends.